0: So today we continue walking with Jesus and this week we come to a place in the road where Jesus faces interruptions, lots of interruptions. Listen for God's word to us this morning. Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him for they were all waiting for him. Just then there came a man named Jairus, a leader of the synagogue. He fell at Jesus' feet. And he begged him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years old, who was dying. As he went, the crowds pressed in on him. And now there was a woman who'd been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. And though she had spent all she had on physicians, no one could cure her. She came up behind Jesus and touched the fringe of his clothes. And immediately, her hemorrhage stopped. Then Jesus asked, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, "'Master, the crowd surrounding you presses in on you.' But Jesus said, "'Someone touched me, for I noticed that power had gone out from me.'" When the woman saw that she could not remain hidden, she came trembling, and falling down before him, she declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him, how she'd been immediately healed. And he said to her, "'Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace.'" While he was still speaking, someone came from the leader's house to say, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher any longer. But when Jesus heard this, he said, do not fear, only believe, and she will be saved. And when he came to the house, he didn't allow anyone to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the child's father and mother. They were all weeping and wailing for her, but he said, do not weep. She is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand, and he called out, Child, get up. Her spirit returned, and she got up at once. Then he directed them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astounded, but he ordered them to tell no one what had happened. This is the word of the Lord. So, this is the walking path in the back of my apartment complex. My complex is large. Over a thousand people live in this complex, so as you can imagine, this path and the land, the common land that is around it, they are well used in this complex. This is a rare picture with no one there. People take their dogs here. People play soccer and cricket. And of course, people are always walking and running. And because so many of us are living so close together, there is a kind of etiquette about this shared space. You know what I mean? Basically, you spread out. You don't interfere in one another's activities. And you absolutely don't interrupt anyone who is walking or running, right? So, you can imagine my surprise when one morning… While deep into my walk on this path, I heard a woman call out to me. Hey, she said, hey, do you know the length of this path? Well perhaps it was the early hour. or Maybe it was the fact that I was kind of in a zen walking moment. Or perhaps it's because she broke our normal etiquette, but I really just stopped in my place and stared at her and said nothing. So she asked me again, do you know the length of this walking path? And that's when I recognized her. You see, I've, I've watched this young woman for almost two years, from my car, from my balcony. I've seen her often walking her dog alone while she's wheeling herself in her wheelchair. I've often wondered about her, wondered about her story, wondered about her life. And now here she was wheelchair dog and all, right in the middle of my walking path, smiling at me and asking me about mileage. Well, I approached her. I pet the dog. I made a little small talk. I answered her question. And then, I'm embarrassed to tell you, and then, well, I started walking again. Because after all, I had a mile to go before breakfast. It was only later that I realized what happened, what I missed. See, I didn't ask her name. I didn't ask her where she lived. I didn't tell her that I'd seen her so many times from my car, from my window. And I didn't consider that her question about mileage and about the walking path might have been a prelude to, to something else. It might have led to something else something more, if I had allowed her greeting to interrupt my walk that morning just a little longer. In our gospel reading this morning, we see Jesus handle interruptions very differently, don't we? Jesus is returning to Galilee after a trip into the region of Jeressa, and He has been gone for a while. He's clearly anxious to return to, C- to Capernaum, to familiar people, to familiar places, but as soon as he gets into Galilee, before he can see anyone, do anything, he's approached by Jairus. Jairus falls at his feet. He begs Jesus for the life of his 12 year old daughter. It's quite an interruption, isn't it? But Jesus doesn't ask a question. Jesus doesn't say a word. No, according to the gospel account we read, he doesn't hesitate. He simply follows Jairus. He starts in the direction of Jairus' home. He starts toward that dying girl. Now, the crowd goes along. It presses in on Jesus and Jairus, and that crowd contains a woman who is ill. She's been suffering for 12 years. She lives a miserable existence, cut off from others, impoverished by doctor bills and social stigma. She doesn't want to interrupt Jesus, right? She just wants to touch the fringe of his garment in hope of some healing. And it works. She knows it immediately. And so does Jesus. To her horror, He stops. He stops the whole walk, the whole crowd. He interrupts his walk to Jairus' house, and he says, who touched me? Eventually, she has to step up and confess what's happened. It's a powerful scene. But once again, before it even ends, it gets interrupted because a messenger arrives. Don't bother the master, Jairus. It's too late, Jairus. Your daughter is dead, Jairus, and one more time, Jesus moves toward that interruption. He moves on to Jairus' home, and he brings healing to that little girl as surely as he brought healing to the woman in the crowd. Interruption after interruption after interruption, do you see? Jesus never falters in allowing compassion to interrupt his walk. Right? Compassion for a despairing father, compassion for a desperately ill woman, compassion for a dying child. Compassion actually trumps everything else in this scene, doesn't it? It trumps the fear, the politeness, the political correctness, the expediency, the comfort. Jesus shows God's love and power. Jesus builds the kingdom of God. Jesus transforms lives, one compassionate act after another. And then he looks at his followers. He looks at you. He looks at me. He looks at our church and he says, follow me. Walk like me. Be interrupted for instances of compassion. Be interrupted for moments of grace. Now living like that, walking like that, it isn't natural. Not for people who want to produce, right? We have schedules and agendas, we have priorities, we have time limits, right? At least most of us. Yet Jesus shows again and again that his agenda, his schedule always puts compassion as the priority always allows for interruptions. So, I have a friend who runs late constantly. Do any of you have a friend like that? Constantly late. I tease her, I say, you know, you're just trying to squeeze too much into any given day, which is true. But there's another truth about this friend. You see, she always takes time to be with the people she is with. You know what I mean? She always takes time to be with people she is with. Someone needs a little extra time to tell their story, she's got all the time in the world. If someone needs a bit of cheering up, sure, she'll drop by the hospital, even though she's supposed to be meeting for happy hour with me about that same time. (laughs) If someone calls with an issue... She will not get off that phone until they have found a way forward. Yes, my friend is constantly running late, and I find it terribly annoying. Until, until of course I have a heartache, and then you know exactly who I call, right? Compassion is defined as a feeling of deep sympathy or sorrow for another who is stricken with misfortune, accompanied by, and this is the key, the strong desire to alleviate that suffering. And Jesus lived that compassion. Jesus walked that compassion. He allowed the misfortunes of others to interrupt his life. And then he acted. He acted whenever necessary, by whatever means necessary, to alleviate that suffering. And friends, Jesus taught those who follow him to do the same. He taught the church to do the same. We read in Galatians 6.2, carry each other's burdens so you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens so you will fulfill the law of Christ. Yes, to walk with Jesus is to walk with compassion and to carry each other's burdens. To be interrupted by the sorrow and pain of others just long enough and often enough that God's power will shine, that God's kingdom will be advanced, that lives will transform one compassionate act after another. That's what's happening in our gospel text this morning. That's what happens when people, just ordinary people, like Jairus, like the woman in the crowd, like you or like me, have faith. Jesus tells that ill woman who touched his garment, your faith has saved you. He tells Jairus, don't be afraid, have faith. Friends, faith prepares us for interrupted lives. Faith prepares us to participate in the compassion of God, the compassion that changes our world. And faith grants us the courage and the strength to reach out and touch the garments hem of God's mercy and power when we have nowhere else to turn. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. This was my sermon on walking with Jesus, walking with compassion, I mean, it had a few other stories, and it had a killer ending, but basically, this was my sermon until Tuesday morning. You see, Tuesday morning interrupted my sermon. What happened six days ago in Las Vegas, it interrupted my sermon. It interrupted our peace of mind. It interrupted our nation's sense of goodness and security, didn't it? Just 10 minutes, 10 minutes is all it took for that rain of bullets to be let out, for hundreds to be wounded, for 58 innocent lives to be lost in senseless, inhumane brutality and violence for no reason, for absolutely no reason. Talking about an interruption, what in the world are we to do? What in the world are we to think? A young friend called my husband that night, that Tuesday night. This young person was completely freaked out. I could hear their voice even though I wasn't on the line. What kind of a world do we live in? How can I bring children into this violent, messed up world? What's going on? Where's God? Now this is a person of faith. Someone I've known their whole life But Las Vegas interrupted his illusion that our world isn't broken, isn't sinful, isn't marred by violence and evil. My husband listened for a long, long time. And then I heard him say just kind of one thing back. He said to our young friend, the world is the same today as it's always been. Desperately beautiful and full of love and racked with brokenness and sin. Desperately beautiful and full of love and racked with brokenness and sin. And there are many things that we cannot know and we will not understand, but we do know one thing. We know that God is on the side of the beauty and love and that love always wins. That God always wins. That's what Jesus was teaching his followers on the road to Capernaum so long ago. Look closely at Jesus. Look at what Jesus does when he is interrupted by death or by sin, by the brokenness of our world. He calls for those around him to choose the way of love. When interrupted by overwhelming grief or fear or despair, Jesus calls for those around him to have faith, to believe. And when interrupted by human need, Jesus calls for his followers, for you, for me, for the church, to start with compassion. Friends, now, more than ever, our small acts of compassion matter. Now, more than ever, our ability to be interrupted by God's agenda, it makes all the difference. In a world where violence and injustice seem so strong, in a world that's bent on hurting and destroying, that revels in rebelling against our God, this walk with Jesus, it's crucial, it matters. Our church's witness matters. And Let me tell you this, it won't be daring, theologically accurate statements that will transform this world in Christ's image. And it won't be loud, argumentative, political action that's going to build God's kingdom here as it is in heaven. No, it will be those acts of compassion, those interruptions of grace that we don't miss, that we pay attention to, that we participate in. A young pastor met with his mentor every Monday, an older, more experienced pastor. They would spend a few hours together each week discussing ministry and the life of faith, life of the church. But as these meetings continued, this young pastor noticed that they could hardly ever meet for longer than 20 minutes without getting interrupted. Some church staff member would pop their head in and have a question or or have a concern or or, or need to talk about something. Or the phone would ring and it would be a church member with some need. and, And this would happen over and over and over again. And finally, after a few months, the young pastor said to his mentor, very respectfully, of course, I, I've just kind of noticed something. I've noticed that you sure do get a lot of interruptions when you're working. And the older pastor smiled and said, no, you don't understand. <laughs> Those interruptions are my work. Our associate pastor, Claire Berry, in the study that was written to go along with this sermon series, she, she said it this way. She wrote, I surrender myself and my own definitions of success to move at love's direction. To move at love's direction rather than my own is to go nowhere fast. I go slow, I stumble, I'm still learning this circuitous patient walk of love, which is in essence a closer walk with Jesus and a humbler walk with God. The prophet Micah said it, as well. Friends, do you want to know what to do in the face of evil and despair, in the face of brokenness and pain? Do you want to know how to participate in bringing God's kingdom into our world, God's kingdom so desperately needed? Micah 6.8, He's told you. He's told you, human one, what is good. And what does the Lord require from you, from us? but to do justice, to embrace faithful love, and to walk humbly with your God. Little by little, small act by small act, step by step, walking in justice, walking in compassion with enough humility that we can always, always be interrupted by God. Let us pray. God, we come to you, we reach out for you when there are no answers and when all we can see is the next step in front of us. So interrupt us, guide our steps, help us to work with you to build your kingdom in front of us you are mighty to save you're in control help us oh God to walk with you amen